0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. You guys ready to get into the Scriptures tonight? Yeah. I have a feeling that's why he came to church. Well, part of the reason. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. We are now in chapter 5 of this great book. Marvelous, marvelous book. And we know who the audience, the target audience is just by the name of the book. Hebrews and so there are things here that particularly pertain to the people of Israel <clears throat> and uh, so that we need to be reminded as we're reading through uh, that some of the things are specifically for the Jews so that we can remember what is to us here and what is for us to learn from all right remember if we as I said and continue to say that all the Bible is for us but not all the Bible is directly to us so we've we live in the, in the place on a regular basis in our daily Bible reading and in, in what is to us. And that comes from the Apostle Paul and the revelation Jesus Christ gave to him for the Gentile church. But also we glean from other places throughout the Scripture through that understanding that we have by the Apostle Paul so that the Bible then becomes clear and, and makes sense. Uh, I can remember for many years being very confused in my Bible reading and it was tough and it was it was like plowing a lot going through the Scriptures and, and not really knowing what I was reading at times. You know, some days I would read Scriptures and, and be so encouraged and then the next day read another passage of Scripture and get completely discouraged by thinking that all of it was applicable to me. And that, But when as I've studied through the years and learned and had great teachers, Dr. Holler, of course, being one of those, my dad, Um, who has spent, spends much time in the scriptures, began to teach me about the various audiences and the, and even the dimensions of man that are being addressed. Sometimes the body is being addressed. Sometimes the soul, sometimes the spirit is being addressed. And so when we understand those kinds of things, uh, then, then the Bible really becomes clear to us and, and God's message because he's concerned about every aspect of your life. And he's concerned about all people groups, right? So he has something to say, to everyone. I love this. It's a a marvelous love. And so that teaches us about God and His interest in the individual person as much as He's interested in the world. We saw that when He gave His only Son. But He's also interested in the individual person, our individual lives, and has specific messages for us. Amen. So, uh, that being said, let's go into Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 1. We ended last week in 4 with that great verse of Scripture at the very end. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. And then this says, for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and, And sacrifices for sins. Now we're coming back into a Jewish understanding. Remember that God appointed uh, the high priest. The first one being Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, and he became uh, the first high priest. And then um, from that time, and then all the priesthood came out of the the tribe of Levi, of the twelve tribes of Israel. There was just one priestly tribe, and only the priests came from the Levitical tribe. Okay. It did not come from other tribes. It only came from one tribe. And Aaron <clears throat> was the first high priest. And so he was one who was appointed for men in things pertaining to God. You see that? He was appointed for men to God. He went as the representative. And once a year, he went into that holiest place called the Holy of Holies or holiest of all behind the second veil where the Ark of the Covenant rested where God's presence was, and in that ark were three things, um, one being Aaron's rod. Remember the rod of Aaron that budded? Um, also, there was the, the tablets of the law, and then there was the bowl or the pot of manna. You can remember it this way, the bread, the bud, and the Bible, all right? The bread, the bud, and the Bible, those three things were there in, in the ark, of the covenant, and and so he would go back through that veil that behind that second veil, the scripture says, not without blood. All right, and he would take a blood offering, and he would pour it upon that mercy seat, the top of the ark of the covenant, where the the two angels, the cherubim, uh, faced one another, and and that that act alone, and he would bring that sacrifice for the sins of the people, as well as. His own. So this is what we're talking about. So he was there for us, for I mean, for, for them, I'm sorry, for them, for the nation of Israel, for the people to God. And he can have, verse 2, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. The word weakness here means moral weakness and physical infirmity. It has to do with, with transgression as well as physical sickness. Okay. Uh, the high priest, though he is appointed by God. All right, we we saw that. He's appointed by God himself. He is still a man, though, like everybody else. And therefore, he has understanding of those that are weak. He has understanding for those that are infirmed. Because of this, verse 3, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer the sacrifice for sins. Isn't that interesting that God appointed Aaron, and he appointed the high priest himself. No man could do that. And he was a representative of, Uh, to God for the people, even though he held that high, holy office of high priest, he himself was not perfect. So there was no such man that could be the perfect representative in a high priest for the people because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Aaron was born of Adam, just like all the rest of us were born of Adam, so he had that problem, all right? And yet God appointed him and and helped make a way for him to be able to go into that presence and survive that event, all right? Now, there was a good chance that they wouldn't survive, so he had to have everything in order. His his robe had to be pressed just right, and, and he could have no spot or blemish on him, I mean, everything had to be pristine. Everything had to be right. And they tied a rope around his waist that went from behind the veil to the people out here, the end of the rope. So if he walked in and everything wasn't right, then he would die in the presence of God. Then they could just grab that rope and drag his dead body out. So truth. So I imagine it was a, a, it was a scary moment for this man thinking, God, I hope I got everything right. Aren't you glad your approach to God is a bold approach? Bold, your approach is a bold approach. Glory to God. No man, verse 4, no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. So no man could appoint himself to the office of the high priest. This was solely God's doing. Now, I want to pause there for a moment and go over to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 11. It says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. All right, who did this? Jesus. And Jesus gave these gifts, called these gifts. Offices, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. All right, all of these offices are appointed by God, and and where men get in trouble is if they try to appoint themselves in that position when they weren't appointed by God, and I, I think it happens more often than it should. I can remember uh, many years ago when I was on staff at a church in West Texas, and I, uh, my my dad had uh, pastored this church, and then he left and went down to Austin and started a church, which my brother now pastors. But he placed a man there, and that man uh, began to pastor the church. And the elder board that Dad had appointed as elders became his elders. And, and so it took some time to make some adjustments because this pastor was a lot different. The way he ran ministry, the way he, he led, and the way he preached, and all those kinds of things was very different than what they were used to. And, and so, over time, there were some issues that came up that were concerning issues. Um, and so, one of the elders of the church, one of the, I mean, one of the staples, one of the pillars of that ministry, uh, began to question what was going on. And um, Now, this is, a, this is a prominent businessman in the community. He had started this, this uh, business from, from the ground up and, and it had become very successful in the community. Um, and so, now... We have a problem, and, and I have to say that when he expressed his concerns, most of the concerns that he had, I agreed with. However, I was not going to tell him <laughs> that because I was there working for my pastor, all right? But I did agree with it, and, and I saw some of the same problems, and so we would, I would speak to the pastor, and we'd try to address some of those things. It was just kind of a difficult situation. Well, this, this elder had finally had enough and so he calls me one day and says I want you to go to lunch with me I said sure and so I went to lunch with him only to find out that he says I'm leaving and I'm starting a church and I want you to pastor this church and I said really well, um, he says let me tell you something I was called by God to be an elder and I went no you weren't you were appointed by the pastor to be an elder. You weren't called by God to be an elder. You've appointed yourself now. And he said, what I want to do is start this church, and I'll oversee it, but you pastor it. And I love this man, and as tempting as that was to you know, begin to pastor my own church, there was no way I was going to get messed up in that stuff. And I knew it was wrong, and I told him this was not a good idea, I don't think this is going to work. We can work through some of this stuff. But he had already been convinced, see, that he was appointed by God and not. Mm. So he did. He started a church. He found another guy, sucker, that would do it with him. And in less than a year, the church had already closed its doors and they were gone. And that's a sad story. But this kind of thing happens a lot when men self appoint. Um, Because if God didn't appoint, then God didn't anoint. All right? And if God didn't appoint and God didn't anoint, then there is no point. (laughs) All right? Because his appointment is, is what gives the one who holds the office the authority. His appointment is his authority, but his anointing is the function. All right, those two things work together. Is, his appointment is the authority, and as the anointing is the power to back up that authority. All right, so we need to understand they say when Jesus, even when he began his ministry, he did not begin to operate under the anointing until everyone knew that he had been appointed by God. And that happened on the day when he was baptized. Do you remember when John baptized Jesus? And the scripture says that immediately Jesus came up out of the water, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and then the voice spoke out of the sky and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's quite an appointment right there. All right? And, And it was from that day forward that he began to operate in the anointing of that office. Glory to God. So... Jesus even said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to. To what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Set at liberty those who are captive. Bind up the brokenhearted. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. All right? Can't do that without the anointing to do it. All right? Uh, Acts 10.38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. He was anointed to Do good. The anointing isn't just something that we have. The anointing is the function to do. All right? Amen. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the operation of the Spirit of God. Everybody okay? All right? So, uh, okay, now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5. Just a little lesson there in appointment and anointment. (laughs) So, also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of who? Melchizedek. Interesting. Okay. Let's go see where that is found. Where is that written? Where did he say that? Well, we find that in the book of Psalms, chapter 110 and verse 4. It's the first. Melchizedek is spoken of in Genesis chapter 14. You remember when Abraham, we've talked about this, came to the king's valley and brought the spoils of war with him and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as he's approaching this king, all of a sudden this figure steps in between them named Melchizedek, who was the priest of God Most High. And he said, Blessed are you, Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And the scripture says, and he and Abram gave him a tenth of all that he had there. Okay? So we don't know anything. Oh, and he came with, remember the priest came with bread and wine. All right? So, And then that's all we hear about Melchizedek. That's all we know about him. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mystery. He's a mysterious And then all of a sudden, Psalms comes along, and David, obviously by revelation of the Spirit of God, says these, pins these words in 110 verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Interesting. Okay. So Jesus' priesthood is not an ordinary priesthood then, is it? It had to be God. It's proof. The fact that Jesus is high priest, it's proof that God had to make this appointment because no man knew about a priesthood coming out of any other tribe than Levi. What tribe did Jesus come from? Judah. He came from the tribe of Judah. And Moses didn't speak anything concerning the priesthood coming from Judah. So men already had it known that it was from Levi, and all of a sudden they're saying he's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, only God can do that. Verse 7 of Hebrews 5. Are you okay tonight? All right. Who in the days of his flesh... When he had offered up prayers and supplications, speaking of Jesus, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Well, when was this? Because, I mean, Jesus did cry out on the cross and uh, to him who did have the power to save him from death, but didn't Jesus die? Yes, he did. Yes, he did die. But there's another place that we see him crying out to the one who had the power to save him from the fear of death, and God did rescue him and God did help him, and that happened in that garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus knew that he was dying, he could feel his life slipping away from him. and He even said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Even unto death. You know what? Let's go there for a moment. Let's go to John chapter 12. Uh, David Grubbs, here we go, buddy. Sorry, this was not planned. John chapter 12, and I think along verse 27, if I'm right, twelve twenty-seven. Why don't you read that out loud, honey? Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Okay, that's good. Jesus says, Jesus said, Shall I pray, Father, save me from this hour? And Jesus is speaking of the hour when he would be delivered up to be crucified. All right? He says, shall I? He said, but it's for this hour I came. So the answer to that question then is obviously, no, you should not pray to be saved from the the hour that you've come for. Right? When he stood before Pilate, remember what he said? This is where we got our name. For this cause I was born. It was for this cause that I came into this world. Right? So... You like the sound of that, Anthony? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so now here he's saying, Should I do this? But we see Jesus get into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it sounds like he's contradicting himself a little bit. It sounds like he is praying, Father, save me from this hour. Because, as a matter of fact, he almost says it. He says, Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done, and it's been often said that Jesus here is, is fully surrendering his will to God, and there's a bit of a wrestle with his will being uh, not fully submitted, and finally he submits it to God, and, and we see the, the true humanity of Jesus here in this moment, but my family, that cannot be what was happening. That cannot be, he cannot be asking God to save him from the hour that he knows he came to. He even presented the question earlier than that. Should I pray this? And now he's praying, no, it doesn't make sense. Jesus said that he was dying in this garden. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. What he was really praying, he's not trying to, he's not saying save me from the cross. He's saying save me from dying in the garden. That's what he's saying. He knew what he came to do. Jesus never, ever, ever ever got off his mission, never, ever, ever swayed from it, never wavered in it, but he did experience something that he didn't know how to, he didn't know how, what to do at this moment because how does he who has only known life, how does he who only is life rehearse for dying? How does that happen? But we know what was happening to him, that his physical body literally began to break down under the pressure as God was transferring the sins of all mankind onto this spotless lamb. all right? And he began to, it began to kill him, and he knew it. He knew he was dying, all right? He didn't say that like we do, I'm dying, so hot. No, Jesus wasn't, no, he was dying. He was literally, the, the, Luke said that he was sweating great drops of blood, all right? So he was under tremendous pressure. And the scripture says he fell to the ground. Remember he said, Abba, Abba Father, it's the, the only time that we see Jesus say those words. And he digs deep into that, the heart of his relationship with his father and cries out, Abba Father. And the scripture says that angels came and ministered to him. Angels came and they strengthened him so that he was able to leave that place and go on to finish the work that he came to finish. All right? Jesus, our hero. Hallelujah. Praise God. Never wavered from his mission. Never wavered from his faith. Amen. Now listen to this. Verse 8, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal, what kind of salvation? You believe in not eternal salvation? Well, I believe in Jesus, the author of eternal salvation. So I, okay. To all who, what? Obey Him. Well, that's interesting because we know that we're saved by grace through faith, not through obedience. Right? To all who obey Him. This is the same word that is used in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And verse, uh, uh, you don't have to bring it up. I'm just going to quote it to him. Give you a break back there, David. Romans chapter 10 and verse, um, uh, help me Lord. Okay, verse 14. Let let me go back to 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without Jeremiah, a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. This is why we preach good things. We preach peace and the glad tidings of good things. That's what the gospel is made up of, peace and good things. Glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. All right? Uh, And then then he goes on to say, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, who has believed. Our report. So what he taught us there is to obey the gospel is to believe the gospel. All right. That this is the same kind of reference here. All those who obey him. That is all those who believe his message. Okay? Okay, because it's not by works, lest any man should boast. So he's the he's the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Having been perfect, how can Jesus, who is already perfect, be perfected? I, ask that, when I see things like that, I start asking questions. And, you know, if you're going to really learn from the Scriptures, you need to stop and ask questions like that and go, okay, what do you mean by that, Lord? Well, Jesus had to suffer in the flesh in order to and overcome every temptation uh, that, was, that was given to him, right? Every temp- the Scripture says he was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So he had to go through that, all the temptation he would face, so that he would then become the perfect spotless lamb of God, the perfect spotless sacrifice without blemish. Because remember, the high priest could not offer a sacrifice like that because he wasn't perfect. But Jesus did it because he did not have Adam's nature in him. He had his father's nature. And the sin nature is passed down through the father. The mother is the carrier of it but the daddy is the one who gives it to you, all right? That's why Eve doesn't get the credit for sin nature. Adam gets the credit for sin nature, okay? So Jesus, though, his father being God the Father, hallelujah, his mother being Mary, and, and then he could then walk this walk and choose, he still had to choose not to sin, and choose not to sin and overcome every temptation so that he could be presented as the perfect sacrifice, all right? In the Spirit, he already was that way, but he had to walk that out so you and I could see a life, what it looks like to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, okay? And see, now you, now that you've been born all over again, now, see, you don't have Adam's nature anymore. You have your Heavenly Father's nature. That empowers you then to live a life free of sin, you know you, you really don't have you really don't have to sin. Well everybody sins. I know, but they don't have to. We have a choice. If we lived according to the Spirit, we wouldn't. Amen. You really can. You really can live free of sin. Hallelujah. Why don't you make that your aim? Make that your goal. Amen. Because then you're really living who you are then you really live in who you are because we don't regard ourselves and we don't regard one another, Paul said, according to the flesh any longer. This is is not us. This flesh, we found out and we find out every day, it don't want to please God. It wants to please itself. Amen. And it wants to hurt others in order to please itself. (laughs) So Jesus was made perfect through the flesh. Amen. And through the sufferings Called by God, verse 10, as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Wow. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. All right? And the reason he's saying that is because it was hard for them, the Jews, to see Jesus as a high priest since he didn't come from Levi. They just couldn't wrap their minds around that. And they were still trying to go to temple and trying to do these animal sacrifices and so he's saying you've become dull of hearing, and it's hard for us to explain this to you. You're going to have to accept that Jesus is a priest. He's the high priest. He's your high priest. In order for you to have revelation of what that means for your life now. But if you keep going back to that old way, then you're rejecting him, and you're rejecting everything that salvation brings. For by, though by this time, verse twelve, you ought to be teachers. It says you, you know this, and we've taught you so much here that you should be teaching this. Uh, You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Did you see that? Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a baby. He's a baby. Because he keeps coming back to works, and a works mentality is a baby immature mentality. A performance mentality is a baby mentality. All right? Because that's, that's how you raise your kids. Don't do that, do that. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. Most it's don't do that. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Say thank you. It's do, don't do, do, don't do, right? But he says you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. Because if the word of God to you is do's and don'ts, then you're just a baby. You need to understand what the word of righteousness is. The word of righteousness is is that now righteousness does not, is not known in what you do, but who you are. Amen. Your righteousness is is brought to you by the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's a a righteous nature, not a righteous doing. A righteous doing then comes from a righteous nature. Can I get a good amen tonight? Okay. Therefore, having been justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to keep talking about these things so that because we have all kinds of things, ideas, and thoughts in this world and pressures in life to try to get us off this truth to cause us to act like somebody that we're not. All right? And to to try to compare our relationship with one another and what goes on in this world with Him when this relationship with Him far exceeds any relationship we have here. Glory to God. It is a matter of our righteous nature. And if we are, understand, if we're skilled in the word of righteousness, my family, then guess what? See, that's part of what God has gifted me to do as your pastor. You remember what my responsibility is? We, we read it here in Ephesians chapter 4, right? Jesus gave these apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers so that we could then equip you for the work of the ministry so that you could become skilled in the word of righteousness, so that you, in turn, could teach others these things. Amen. Okay. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Their senses are exercised to discern both good and evil. And this is where you're going to need the Spirit of God and the sixth sense called faith. All right? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. (laughs) So we need to know what pleases God. And so we're constantly, the Scripture says that we are finding out what is pleasing to the Lord. And for the rest of our lives, we're, we're finding out what pleases God. And number one, it's faith all right, in that, in that daily walk. We're finding and we want to live our lives. Our spirit man wants to please him. Let's go now to Romans chapter 7. I want to spend a few minutes in this, and then uh, we'll close out tonight. Uh, next week, I, I look forward to getting into Hebrews 6, because it's it's, the first few verses are a great, great matter of controversy, all right? Great matter of controversy, and we're going to clear a lot of things up that have brought a lot of confusion to the body of Christ, for many years, all right? Let me just read. Can I just read it to you, the first few verses, and help you understand why we need to go over this? And, and, and I can understand also why there is much confusion. If you would go to Romans chapter 7, David, and I'm just going to read to you guys why I'm excited about Hebrews chapter 6. But I don't have time to get into all of that tonight because it's going to take a little while. Listen to this. Remember how he, he finished chapter 5 and talked about those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness, Right? Then it says, therefore, having, leaving, I should say, the discussion of the uh, elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, it's impossible if they fall away, to renew them again, to repent it, since they crucify again uh, for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Ooh. So there, there, there are some hard stances On these few verses of scripture, and most of the stances are to make people feel insecure about their salvation. All right, they say this right here proves if you fall away, you can never come back. We're going to find out. That's stupid. All right, (laughs) Romans chapter seven. Let's start in verse one. Let's just read for a second. For when we were in the Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? Verse 2. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law of her husband as long as he lives, but if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. (laughs) So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. What kind of fruit is this? What kind of of fruit are we bearing to God? It's the fruit of righteousness. Okay? For when we were in the flesh... Are you in the flesh? Paul is writing this with a fleshly hand. For when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions, which were aroused by the law. Whoa, check that out. Do you see that? The sinful passions, how were they aroused? By the law. Now, my family, I don't understand. I don't understand how men say that if you preach grace too hard, you give people a license to sin. When it looks like if you preach the law, that's how sin is aroused. Okay? We're at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Okay? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, You shall not covet. Isn't that something about our curiosity, the curiosity of the human nature, that as soon as we see, don't do it, something in us says, I want to do it? (laughs) I wouldn't have known to covet unless it said, don't covet. Well, I'm interested now. (laughs) Okay? I didn't even know to be interested, but now I'm interested. I I told you guys, I was in India one year, and and we were in this hotel, and Daniel Plowman and I, and right across from me, was this whole wing of where they were doing some reconstruction in the building and there were all these do not enter signs. But then I would see like these workers like go through these doors and, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm entering. I'm going in here. So, And <laughs> I felt like I was in a secret passageway. I was accessed to where, somewhere I wasn't supposed to be and so the curiosity got the better of me. But if it didn't say don't enter, I never would have even thought about it. But Okay, I'm just admitting my sin before all of you. <laughs> but sin, sin taking opportunity... Watch, sin taken opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. The more it said don't do it, the more I wanted to do it. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Wow, verse 9. Did you hear that? For apart from the law, sin was dead. Do you know that you are apart from the law today? That Jesus Christ, the scripture says that he took the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, which means if that's true, then sin is dead. Okay. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Verse 10. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Verse 12. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Fourteen, we're getting there. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And how, how are you carnal? He says when we were in the flesh, right? Okay, this is where your carnality is. On. For what I am doing, now this right here is kind of the story of my life. What I'm doing, I do not understand. And then she helps me understand every day. What I'm doing, I do not understand. Paul, you're right in my living room, man. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. Man, I want to learn to play guitar when I'm just not willing to practice. But what I hate, that I do. Can anybody relate to Paul here? Don't you love his honesty here? I just love this. He just lays it out bare for us. All right? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That's a bit of a cop-out if you think about it. It's kind of that the devil made me do it. So he says it's not me who's done. it. No, watch. This is is what separates those who are skilled in the word of righteousness and those who are unskilled. And this all has to do with what you identify with. Paul makes a clear distinction. This is not me. This is not me. It's sin that dwells in me. And he's going to help us understand where that happens. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. In other words, I have the will, but <clears throat> the flesh is not willing. It's, it, it, it does not have the power to carry this out in and of itself. Here we go. For the, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in it. He says it again. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It's sin. That dwells in me, or that is in my flesh. Verse 21, I find then a law. Okay, thank you, Paul. The evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. See, your desire is a holy desire. Your actual desire, your desire as a born-again child of the living God is a holy desire. It wants to do the right thing. That's why you feel bad when you do what you don't want to do. That's why you don't like it. That's why you wrestle with it. That's why you're bothered by those things. If 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 you did not have God's nature in there, it wouldn't bother you to do those things. But that nature, your true nature, is like no, this ain't cool. This is not me. And this is what Paul is saying: there, are evil's present with me, the one who wills to do good. What well, evil's very present with you? I mean, it's wrapped up in a body right there. It's with you every day of your life. For I delight in the law of God according to what there it is, the inward man. This is is who I really am. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. What did Paul just teach us? It all happens right here. All right? Because the choice is going to be the determining factor if I do what I'm not supposed to do or if I do what I'm supposed to do. So these passions and these desires come up to my mind, and my mind has a choice. Are you going to do this? Are you going to live by the flesh? Are you going to live by the Spirit? Okay? Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So he's talking about the wretched part is the body. This body that we walk around with every day that has nothing but evil desire. It's the it's, it's a factory of sin, Right? So then we have to delight then in to understand that we are who God says we are, not what this flesh wants to do. Maybe this will help you tonight. Because it's easy sometimes, my family, if, if we get out of this, if we, if we forget who we are, then we'll start identifying ourselves by our failures and by our faults and by the evil thoughts that come to our minds. And think that, start questioning if if God even if we even know God if we're even saved, all that kind of garbage that keeps us just fighting all the time, keeps us struggling all the time. You have to, by faith, grab a hold of this truth that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, despite what this flesh does or doesn't do. Okay, this is how you are skilled in the word of righteousness, and when you grab a hold of and you've confessed that over your life. That's why it's so important to open your mouth and confess who God says that you are because your life is following your tongue, all right? And you can make this flesh do what it needs to do. Amen. Okay, just wanted to finish with that thought tonight. That's what it means to be skilled in the word of righteousness. That is to simply know who the Bible says you are, all right? And to be fully aware of that and to believe that with everything in you and then walk this thing out by faith. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.